is the human being to be or not to be? For Dugan, if you answer to be, then you are part of the Great Awakening. Hi, everybody. Great to be with you. If you're new to this channel, my name is Michael Millerman. I make videos on political philosophy. Today, I'd like to read to you something I wrote about Alexander Dugan's book, The Great Awakening versus The Great Reset. This was published in the European Conservative not too long ago. The Great Reset was announced as a project in 2020 at the World Economic Forum in Davos. The world must act jointly and swiftly, the plan states, to revamp all aspects of our societies and economies, from education to social contracts and working conditions. The scale of the revamping knows no limits. Every country must participate, and every industry must be transformed. Thus, the project envisions total global transformation. Alexander Dugan's book, The Great Awakening versus The Great Reset, aims to interpret the meaning of this Great Reset and to offer a plan of equal scope for opposing it. The main idea of The Great Reset, he writes, is the continuation of globalization and the strengthening of globalism after a series of failures. The conservative presidency of anti-globalist Trump the growing influence of a multipolar world, especially of Russia and China, the rise of Islamic countries like Turkey, Iran, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, and their withdrawal from the influence of the West. History almost did not end. The globalists want to ensure it does. Okay, so the globalists are fiercely attacking all anti-globalist forces, whether they're figures like Trump or countries like Russia and China. It's noteworthy that Dugan's analysis forecasts escalation with those countries and regimes that reject globalization, strengthening the NATO bloc, strengthening the structures of world government, and widespread use of demonization, deplatforming, and network ostracism or cancel culture against all those who hold views different from the globalist one, both abroad and in the US. Okay, that's what Dugan's book predicted. And all of that has come to pass under Biden's presidency, as documented, for instance, by Darren Beatty, Julie Kelly, and Glenn Greenwald, among others. Wars against countries and regimes that reject globalization, strengthening NATO, strengthening the world government, widespread use of cancel culture. You see it. Russia's special military operation, quote unquote, only accelerated these trends, but was partly also a response to them. Dugin's language is reflected by Russian President Putin and Foreign Minister Lavrov when they speak not only about multipolarity, but also about the West's attempt to finish Russia off after the Cold War. Globalization on this view brooks no competition, whether domestically or abroad. Okay, so the Great Reset is globalization against all of the enemies of globalization, foreign and domestic. But Dugin's analysis is not limited to the geopolitics of international order or to the propaganda war against and persecution of anti-globalist forces worldwide. He's also keen to address the ideological dimension of the Great Reset. In this book, The Great Awakening versus The Great Reset, he traces the roots of the globalist idea to the foundations of liberalism and to the medieval dispute over the ontological status of universals. This dispute, Dugan explains, split Catholic theologians into two camps. Some recognized the existence of the common. So like, does the universal exist? Does the genus exist? Does the species exist? 
does the common exist? While others believed in only certain concrete individual things and interpreted their generalizing names as purely external conventional systems of classification. So on that view, only individuals exist and common names are just nominal, hence roughly nominalism. Okay, the only things that actually exist are individuals versus, no, universals also exist. That, in a nutshell, for Dugan was the dispute. The nominalists took the position that only individual things and beings are real, denying the reality of universals. For Dugan, this is the theoretical origin of liberal universalism. Here, humans were seen only as individuals and nothing else, and all forms of collective identity, religion, class, etc., were to be abolished. To see what makes this a powerful perspective, consider how it illuminates two trends of contemporary global liberalism. After rejecting the most influential forms of collective identity and defeating its collectivist ideological rivals, communism and fascism, liberalism discovers two more forms of collective identity, gender and humanity itself. We're currently in the phase of gender politics, the transformation of the category of gender into something optional and dependent on individual choice. Transgenderism, in other words, is the logical application of the principle of individualism or nominalism to the latest form of collective identity standing in the way of progress. Okay, so liberalism cast off all forms of collective identity and then it discovered two new forms, gender and humanity. So transgenderism is the attempt to cast off gender identity as something natural and make it something optional. After gender politics, Dugan warns, transhumanism will come more fully to the fore, since the human is also a collective identity, which means that it must be overcome, abolished, destroyed. Just as the individual can choose to be religious or atheist, male or female, soon the choice will extend to human or not. That might seem ridiculous, but it's worth remembering something. In 1960, Leo Strauss lectured on Marx at the University of Chicago. He stated the following argument, quote, if the division of labor is rooted ultimately in the bisexuality of man, meaning our division into male and female sexes, and the division of labor is to be overcome, let's get rid of the bisexuality. In other words, Strauss saw that the implication of Marxist egalitarianism was overcoming the sexual difference between man and woman as the source of the division of labor and therefore inequality. The class laughed at the preposterous notion. Don't laugh, Strauss replied. I mean, it is silly, but it is a very serious problem. Marx's position, he continued, describes itself as humanism. How can there be a humanism if there's no relevant essential difference between men and brutes, and therefore if there's no relevant essence of man? No humanism without a fixed nature of man, which may undergo any changes, but which retains its identity within the change. Globalism, as Dugan discusses, it shares with Marxism, as Strauss has presented it, this tendency towards post-humanism in the name of liberation from divisive constraints. That partly explains the silly but very serious problem that statements of human essentialism are today met with accusations of fascism or worse. The Great Reset does not want anyone to get in its way. Belief in a relevant essence of man hinders progress.
So transhumanism as a consequence of nominalism may seem crazy, but it isn't. Haven't enough things that belong to the madhouse been normalized now to make us doubt whether today's most outlandish speculations won't be tomorrow's well-established absurdities? In any case, we have to think the principles through to their logical conclusion. Framing the Great Reset as a war on the human essence allows Dugan to rally the opposition around preservation of humanity. As he writes, this is not the West against the East, not the US and NATO against everyone else, but liberals against humanity, including that segment of humanity which finds itself in the territory of the West itself, but which is turning more and more away from its own globalist elites. Is the human being to be or not to be? For Dugan, if you answer to be, then you are part of the Great Awakening. Dugan's account of the Great Awakening begins with those American anti-globalists who intuitively grasp the essence of the most important processes unfolding in the modern world, as he puts it, without any particular expertise in ideological analysis to say nothing of philosophy. In other words, again, these are people who automatically, intuitively sense that something's wrong. As he puts it, what is now awakening is not a camp of ideological opponents of liberalism, the enemies of capitalism, or ideological opponents of democracy. They're not even conservatives. They're just people, people as such, the most ordinary and simple. But people who want to be and remain human, to have and keep their freedom, gender, culture, and living concrete ties to their homeland, to the world around them, to the people. This awakening, Dugan writes, is spontaneous, largely unconscious, intuitive, and blind. In it, humanity itself, man as eidos, man as species, man as collective identity, is rebelling against the liberals. Spontaneous opposition to the Great Reset shows the possibility of a new beginning in the history of man, distinct from the process that has led to the possibility of post-humanism. The politics of the Great Awakening are multipolar, for the salvation of people, peoples, and societies. As Dugan writes, the Great Awakening necessitates an internationalization of the people's struggle against the internationalization of the elites. Peoples, nations, versus elites, globalists. Not left versus right, east versus west. That's how the new battle lines are drawn. Peoples and elites. Trumpists, anti-globalists in America, integral populists in Europe, who must, Dugan argues, overcome the split between left and right populism. China, though note, the Great Awakening must not become Chinese, as he writes. The Islamic world, and unsurprisingly, Russia, the most important pole of the Great Awakening, all form a united, multipolar, people's front against unipolar global liberalism in Dugan's vision. If in the American context, anti-globalism is intuitive and spontaneous, there must still be a coherent philosophical basis for it more broadly. That is the important theme of one of this slim volume's appendices entitled Theoretical Principles of the Great Awakening based on the fourth political theory. Also appended is a January 2021 interview with Deutsche Stimm and a short statement called The Great Awakening, The Future Starts Now, also dated January 2021, and dealing with the significance of January 6th. Okay, so this volume, Great Awakening versus the Great Reset, has these appendices. I'm only going to tell you about 
the one about the theoretical principles of the Great Awakening. Here, Dugan draws on the themes of his increasingly well-known fourth political theory to make the case that liberalism must be opposed, but not on the basis of communism and fascism, the other principal ideologies of political modernity that liberalism defeated. Liberalism is a worse evil than communism and fascism, Dugan claims, precisely because it is the actually existing totalitarianism, whereas the others belong to the past. They're chimeras. They're just leftovers, residues of political history. Okay, so for Dugan, liberalism is worse than communism and fascism because liberalism actually exists. Communism and fascism belong to the past. Dugan's anti-liberalism is not anti-Westernism. The West is not an enemy, as he writes. Rather, Western political modernity is the problem, a kind of form based on the anti-Christian, anti-spiritual, anti-traditional, anti-sacred turn in Western history that coincided not by chance with colonialism, the beginning of the Enlightenment, and so on. Dugan calls Western political modernity evil. The fight against it needs a standpoint. One option is to go beyond the West by considering other civilizations and their political thought, cultural thought, philosophy, religion. We should, Dugan writes, recognize the value of political thought outside the West, including systems of law other than Roman law, for instance. That's one of the core ideas of Dugan's political theory, which is committed to the defense of civilizational multipolarity and elaborates various methods for the study of fundamental pluralism. So one way around the dominance of the modern West is just look outside the West, learn from peoples that are not Western, look at their systems of thought, systems of law, their history, and all of that. But besides taking us beyond the constraints of Western political modernity in that way, by looking to other civilizations with their own traditions, the Great Awakening can also have the effect, Dugan argues, of liberating the West itself from progressive liberalism and allowing it to return to its own traditions. So in this case, you don't have to go outside the West. You just have to liberate the West for itself. Western society has been hijacked by modernity, Dugan argues, and modern day liberals are trying to cancel the very principles of Western identity. Cancel Aristotle, cancel Plato, cancel Hegel, cancel Nietzsche, cancel Heidegger. Demonizing everything in great Western thought and culture, everything that doesn't fit into the narrowing limits of this radically intolerant left liberal ideology. To oppose Western political modernity thus means to liberate Plato, Aristotle, Greco-Roman antiquity, and to restore the dignity of the Christian pre-modern societies, political thought, cultural values, philosophies, metaphysics. Dugan invites us to reopen the quarrel between the ancients and the moderns, to make it possible again, not only to learn about the pre-modern thinkers, but to learn from them. In his lecture, How to Study Medieval Philosophy, Strauss asserted that there are many important lessons which modern man can learn only from pre-modern, from unmodern thinkers. That is Dugan's judgment too. The most important matters require that we learn from unmodern thinkers and liberate ourselves from the suffocating effect of modern ones. But that's not simply a question, as it was for Strauss, of progress or return. Dugan does not insist that we oppose globalism by going back. Rather, the fourth political theory, he writes, is an invitation to go forward, to go ahead. We can take inspiration from the past, he says, but we are living in the present. We need to make a step ahead, forward, not many steps backward.
What is the plan moving forward then? In his statement of principles, Dugan is emphatic. The most important and central practical field for opposition to the Great Reset is in education, since it is through education that the liberals penetrate our society, pervert our children, destroy the very principles of cultures and countries, destroy and dissolve identities. Therefore, the main struggle should be at the university level. Dugan champions the development and promotion of an online structure of alternative education that could foster approaches consistent with the fourth political theory outside liberal totalitarianism. He distinguishes three groups of addressees for the new education. The first type is the small minority of the global population that is inclined to follow philosophy, religion, and theology. The task at this level is to satisfy the need of the thinking persons, philosophers of the world, by giving them access to the real content of the spiritual tradition of different religions and different cultures, as well as to promote all kinds of philosophical tendencies that formally belong to the modern West, but that are different from it. For example, German classical philosophy starting with Fichte, Schelling, Hegel, or Nietzsche, Heidegger, the conservative revolution, traditionalism, Italian thought, etc. What Dugan elsewhere has summarized under the title, the Dark Logos, that is the Dionysian undercurrent of the Western philosophical tradition. Okay, so one part of the online educational outreach is at the level of philosophy. But the online education of the fourth political theory in the service of the Great Awakening cannot rely on philosophers, priests, sacerdotes, and intellectuals alone. As he writes, it must also be an education for the fighters, the kshatriyas, the warriors. In other words, the warrior class, the military class, the fighting class. Dugan is emphatic that the warriors must not fight each other, but only liberalism, the unipolar world, and Western political modernity. And that there must be solidarity between the warrior type of men and women. The difference, he argues, in the metaphysical structure of the soul is much more important than gender difference. So Dugan does not say only men should be warriors and all women should be at home. No, he says that the difference in the metaphysical structure of the soul is more important than the gender difference, and there should be solidarity between warrior men and warrior women. Finally, moving from philosophers in the first case to warriors in the second case, Dugan proposes a targeted education for the largest estate. Okay, philosophers and warriors are rare. Now he proposes something for the absolute majority of the population, which should be linked to the restoration of the traditional family and the traditional way of life with agriculture. For instance, by restoring the system of self-sufficient agricultural societies based on small villages. Opposition to Western political modernity at this level aims to accelerate the tendency away from cities and toward rural life, restoring the symbolism and sacredness of agricultural life. He almost suggests a kind of fourth political theory network state when he writes about a movement of massive creation of agri-cooperation, agricultural communities linked throughout the world by the system and structure provided by the fourth political theory. This book, in sum, is a good introduction to Dugan. It shows off his analysis of the contemporary ideological state of affairs in America and on the world stage. It gives a brief, accessible account of the principles of his political theory, and it offers concrete proposals focused on education. The most interesting part of the book will be the least well understood, if it's noticed at all, 
namely his defense of the practice of philosophy and its future. To save humanity, it is necessary to think. So the main theoretical weapon of the Trumpists in the Great Awakening should be philosophy, he writes. Philosophy here is understood as the rediscovery of active intelligence inside of our souls, referring to the tradition of the active intellect. To philosophize is to save humanity by saving human subjectivity and its link with the active intellect. This realm of the radical subject, as he calls it, is not just a special branch of philosophy, not just something arbitrary. It is in the center. It is the main problem. Ultimately, the Great Awakening versus the Great Reset, the question to be or not to be, posed to the human being and to human history, to the God and the destiny of the world, turns on this mysterious question of the radical subject. That one short tract for the times should combine the language of revolutionary political activism with the deepest themes of philosophical meditation testifies to a fascinating temperament. Okay, that was my article for the European Conservative called The Great Awakening versus the Great Reset, a review of Alexander Dugan's book by the same title. You can see the cover of the book there. And that was published 25th of August, 2022, my review, I mean. I'm the author of Inside Putin's Brain, The Political Philosophy of Alexander Dugan, as well as beginning with Heidegger, Strauss, Rorty, Dare to Dugan, and the Philosophical Constitution of the Political. You can find my courses on all of these figures at millermanschool.com. I hope you enjoyed this video that you learned something about Alexander Dugan, maybe something about Leo Strauss, something about the West, the globalist West on one hand, and the traditional West on the other, and that this gives you something to think about, okay, including this intriguing thought that the Great Awakening depends on recovering a sense of philosophy that links it with the active intellect. So I'll leave that for another video and for you to explore further. Thanks very much for watching. See you in the next video.